We're going to be in John chapter 1 again, our series in John. You guys remember what I called those first 18 verses? The prologue, right? So you know the prologue is kind of what comes before chapter 1 in a book. So John's prologue was 1 through 18, and now we are starting the story of Jesus and the gospel according to John. Um, But before we do that, the question for this morning is, who does your life point to? Who does your life point to? And that's something that we're going to see brought up in our passage this morning. Um, But before we get to that question, we're going to kick off with a different one. Who is the most humble person to ever live? How would you answer that? Who is the most humble person to ever live? I can't hear you. Okay, Jesus. And where, and where might we go for that? A, a proof of that. We actually studied it in our small groups this last week. Yeah? John 1 would be one of the places, right? Because it's talking about how the word became flesh and took on flesh and dwelt among us. And then we looked up another passage. Anybody remember it? It's in Philippians chapter 2 where it talks about have this mind among yourselves, and it's talking about how we should be humble like Jesus, who, being God, went down and took on the form of man, even the form of a servant. Okay, So he became not just man, but at the bottom of society, a servant to serve us. So that's why Jesus is the ultimate picture of humility, from high to to low. But that's not really the question. That That was too easy, okay? Who might you put in the category of the second most humble person ever to live? Okay, why John the Baptist? Um, in verse 15, um, John bore witness about him and cried out, uh, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me reigns before me, because he was before me. And then in other gospels, or maybe it's drama, but like he doesn't even think he's worthy to like untie Jesus' sandals, let alone baptize him. Yeah, awesome, all right? So that's where we're headed today, all right? We want to, we get this picture of John the Baptist, and we, we got to talk about that in our small group a little bit, and, and here we're on this passage where we're going to see John and how great John was, but also how humble John was, all right? Now, on the topic of humility, I want you guys to think for a minute, where would you put yourselves kind of on ranking yourself on the pride and humility scale, all right, if like all the way on one side is like I'm super proud, I think only of myself, and all the way on the other side is super humble, I only think of other people, where would you assess yourself? And one of the ways you could do that is you could ask yourself, where does my life point? In what I say, in what I do, who I, how, how I act. When people look at me, who are they drawn to think about? Are they drawn to think about me and how great I am? Or am I pointing them towards someone else? Okay, so that's, that's what we're going to be thinking about in today's passage. All right? So let's read verses 19 through 51. We're going to read this, uh, this here. Okay? And this is the testimony of John. And the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. 
Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Who do you, what do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus, and as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they, he, they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So we're going to talk about this passage in three points, all right? Um, and so the first one we want to go to is, who did John point to? 
right? So in our question of who does my life point to, let's start by looking at the life of John. Well, look back at chapter 1, verse 6, okay? Can someone read verse 6 through 8 for us? Just a quick volunteer, read chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Go ahead, Amber. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Uh, six, keep going, through oh, okay. eight. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Okay. So he came to do what? Bear witness. Bear witness okay. And, and this word, bear witness, is also translated to have t- testified. To, it's the testimony of someone. Okay. So look at chapter nine, or verse 19 now. This is the testimony of John. So in other words, John... The author has introduced John the Baptist, and he's saying John the Baptist came to testify, to bear witness to who Jesus was, and now he gets to verse 19, and he says, here's the testimony. Here's his testimony about who Jesus is. We're at the beginning of the story of Jesus. But before we get to what John says about Jesus, we actually have to answer questions about who John was, because that's what the Jews want to know. And so when it says the Jews sent a group, what you should be thinking of is you should be thinking of like the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin, those who are the leaders. Because what's happening is there's a guy who appears to either think he's someone really special or he is someone really special or he's kind of gone rogue because he's out in the wilderness and all the people are coming to him to get baptized. And if you were in authority, if you were the leaders, especially a religious leader at that time, and you saw flocks and flocks of people instead of coming to you and going out to the wilderness to this guy, you're going to start thinking, who is this guy? Who does this guy think he is? And that's exactly what they go to ask him. Who do you think you are? Now, how many of you saw Marvel Endgame this weekend? Okay, a number of you did, all right? Now, those of you who are big Marvel fans, okay, you know that there are certain expectations, you know, as to who's going to show up, who's going to do what, what's going to happen, right? So, like, the Marvel movies are the ones that really introduced us um, to, to the teaser after the credits, right? right? So, um, just for fun, like, to annoy Angel, we watch, like, chick flicks, and I like to fast forward to the end. I'm like, there might be a teaser. Let's, let's just get to the end. Like, Jane Austen, like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, we'll see. Maybe Jane has something for us at the very end. She's like, Nick, there's no teasers. I'm like, you got to check. You got to check now that Marvel's come out. Um, but I remember watching, I think it was the first Guardian of the Ga- Galaxy one, and I don't know enough about the Marvel Universe, but it, the first Guardian of the Galaxy ended with a teaser, and I just remember that the guy next to me, <laughs> it happened, and he was like, oh, 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 it's, it's that guy, hey, hey. And I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. You're like, I, I'm not the guy you want to talk to about this. You know? <laughs> but the funny thing is, the Jews at this time, there's all sorts of expectations going on, okay? And the reason is because in Scripture, you guys have to really put yourself in their shoes. In Scripture, there have been prophecies that have come out about certain people that are going to return at the end of time and bring about this golden era in Israel's history, okay? So we actually have it as Christians. We have some, pro- some expectations. What, what's an expectation that we have as Christians is going to happen someday? Jesus is going to come back, right? We have expectation that one day Christ will return, right? And there's another expectation that one day there will be this this antichrist, right? And if you read, you know, what people write over time, 
oftentimes people try to identify who this is. You know, certain political figures rise up, so like Hitler or Stalin or something, and, and the question comes up, is this the Antichrist? Is this someone who's fulfilling this prophecy? Okay, and that's exactly what's happening here. So when they come to him and they say, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? They're drawing on Old Testament prophecies that they've been waiting for, just like we're waiting for Christ to return and looking for when is this going to happen. So let's talk about those for a minute, okay? So who did John point to? They asked him, are you Elijah? That's the first one. Now, if you guys, do you remember what I said about Moses? How Moses is like the superhero of the Old Testament. He's the man. Number two would be Elijah. And if you want to know why, yeah, Elijah's back here like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Number two would be Elijah. And the reason, you guys remember the transfiguration? Jesus goes up on the mountain, turns really white. Peter loses his mind, says he's going to build tents for everybody. Okay. Who meets with Jesus at the mountain? Moses and Elijah. Okay. The top two, Moses representing the Old Testament uh, law, Elijah representing the prophets, okay? But here, read this. It says in Malachi, it's an Old Testament prophecy, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So there's this prophetic word that someday Elijah's coming back and he's going to get you ready for when God comes to visit you. So they come to him and they say, are you Elijah? Now what's really interesting is John says, no, no I'm not. And what makes it even more interesting is when you read the other gospels, Jesus says, they, they, his disciples ask Jesus, Jesus, I thought Elijah had to come before the Messiah comes. And Jesus says he did come, it was John the Baptist. So what's happening? Well, I think what's happening here is, number one, John is really humble. John is a really humble guy. And I don't think he necessarily considered himself the Elijah that was to come. And maybe he didn't even fully grasp who he was at the time. So this was his answer. His answer was to say, I'm of no importance. I am not anyone important. My only job, as we will see, is to prepare the way for the Lord. That's my only job. But after he dies, and they're wondering, I thought Elijah came before the Messiah. Jesus is the one who actually clarifies, actually, it was John. John was the one who prepared the way for me. Okay, so it's kind of an interesting little twist there between the different Gospels. But he says, no, I'm not Elijah. And then we get to the second question, are you the prophet? Now, I, this really has no bearing on us, but I'll say it just because it's interesting. Having been a missionary to Muslims... They use this all the time. They tell me, as a Christian, that Muhammad, the prophet, shows up in the Bible. That Muhammad, the prophet, has been prophesied in the Bible because it says in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die. I keep reading. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. He's talking to Moses. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So I, in my time as being a, a missionary to Muslims, 
I've had people come to me and say, see, you should be following Muhammad because that's who it's talking about, the prophet. That's who it is. Well, we get here and we see them ask, are you the prophet? And this is who they're talking about. Are you the one that was supposed to come after Moses? And, and what's John the Baptist's answer? The answer is no. No, I'm not that guy either. Okay? Now, to kill the suspense in who is this guy, we're going to see in our very own passage that it's talking about Christ. Christ is the one who is the prophet to come after Moses. Okay? Um, so he says, no, I'm not that. And so finally, who are you? And here's who he says he is. I hope. Something? Anything? No, there's nothing there. Never mind. Okay, well, read Isaiah, I'll, I'll read Isaiah to you, okay? So it gets to who he says he is, and he says he is this voice of one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord. So I think that John the Baptist is super humble, and the first step to him being humble is knowing who he is not, okay? And that, I think that's true of ourselves, too. If you are going to be humble after the example of John the Baptist, the first thing you need to know is you need to know who you are not. And whether we like it or not, we're tempted in life to live as if we are God, like we are our own Savior, like we are the Messiah, like we are the one that is the promised one, that, that we have that importance in front of other people and they just need to recognize it. And the first step to being humble is recognizing who you are not. Okay, and that's what, that's what John the Baptist knew. So are you, so he's the one, so I'll read the Isaiah passage. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, the rough places a plain. In other words, he's talking about, we need to build the highway of all highways. You guys know that when they build a highway through the mountains, do you know what they do? They, they cut into the mountains so that you can have a flat part that's not on the slanted part. And they build up the low parts and they bring down the high parts so that a highway isn't just like this, launching your car up and down, right? This is what he's saying. He's saying God is coming to visit and we need to build the highway of all highways so that he can have a smooth path to travel on. And then it says, verse 5, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Wow, the glory of the Lord is about to be revealed. Sounds a lot like chapter one, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The glory of God in Jesus Christ is coming in its fullness. Prepare yourself for our visitor. So John's life points to Jesus. That's, that's, he says, this is what defines me. If you want to know who I am, I'm simply the guy who is supposed to point to Jesus. And we'll see that in the rest of the, in the passage here. And it brings us to the question of who does your life point to, right? Who does your life point to? And so think about your mouth, first of all. Consider the words that come out of your mouth. How often do you speak of God and his son Jesus to other people? And oftentimes when you hear that, you think of evangelism, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not simply talking about evangelism. How often do I evangelize? But how much is your mind constructed in the way that I should always be pointing to Jesus, that your answers to normal questions in life point to the Lord and point to Jesus? So it might be simply remarking on thanking the Lord for such a beautiful day. Thank God for such a beautiful day. Or thank God for this to your friends. And not in a way that is using the Lord's name in vain, right? Because we can do that. 
like, thank God for this, and I really don't, I'm not really thanking God. But saying something to someone, saying, I genuinely thank God for tulips in the spring. It brings me joy, right? Um, how, what comes out of your mouth when things are hard? When life is hard. I remember there was a lady that I worked with in Jerusalem, and, and she said to me after a really hard day, and that was a really hard day, God's just smoothing out the rough edges. God's just smoothing out my rough edges. And it was really sweet. She just points to the Lord in, in just her normal day. What, what do you say when you're complimented? When someone says, oh, you're so pretty, you're so good at this, you're so whatever. You know, I just thank the Lord. You know, God, I, I can't take credit for what God's given me. You point back to the, where do you point when you're in that situation? Where do you point when you're asked why you're different? I hope that some of you are starting to receive that question. I notice that you don't talk like the rest of us. Why don't you ever say these words? Why, are you, why, do, why don't you ever go to this place with the rest of us? Why don't you go to these parties? What, you're, something's different about you. How are you going to answer that? You know what? I honestly just want to follow Jesus. I just want to do what Jesus said. And I, you can even say, I know if it's Christian friends or whatever, like I, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm not trying to call judgment on anybody. But when I, talk, when I think about why I make those decisions, it's because I genuinely want to be like Jesus. Do you point back to Jesus when you ask this? When you forgive someone and they say, I don't even know how you can forgive me. You say, you know what? It's because I've been forgiven so much by Jesus. I have no right not to forgive you. Just point right back to Jesus. When things are confusing, things don't seem to make sense, what's your answer? Do you say, you know what? I trust that God just has a plan in this. I don't know what it is, but I have to, I have to trust that God is sovereign and he knows what he's doing here. Even when you spill on your shirt at lunch, can you say, you know what? God's just trying to teach me not to worry so much about how I look today. Right? So even in the smallest things in life, you can just turn it around and point right back to God. So one of the best ways to fight pride, which what pride is, is the temptation to make much of yourself, to make yourself look important, is to turn it around and just as much as you can, make much of God. Make much of God all the time. So who does your life point to? Well, John's life, he, it pointed to Jesus, right? And so I'm going to give you a little assignment here. Okay, so the next question is, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And one of the biggest parts of this passage is revealing who this Jesus is. So here's what I want you guys to do, and you're just sit, someone sit next to you in your row. Read John 1, 24 through 51. Um, you can even grab a pen here. All right, we've got a notebook. And list how many answers you can find to this question and who said them. How many different answers to who is this Jesus can you find and who said them, okay? All right? Anybody need a pen? You can even write it in the margin of your Bible or whatever if you don't have anything to write on. Pens? All right, well, here, let's start... Figuring out what we got here, okay? Raise your hand if you've got one. Okay, Aaron, you got one. What do we got? Uh, one you do not know, John. Okay, one you do not know. Okay, so that's John the Baptist there. Give me another one. Yep. The Lamb of God. Okay. The Lamb of God. That's John the Baptist. Who said that? Yeah. Okay. Who said that one? 
Jesus says he's the son of man, Elijah. Okay, so the one who ranks before John, right? And that was said by John the Baptist. Okay, Colin? He baptizes with the Holy Spirit, like also John the Baptist. Okay, he, so he's the one who's going to be baptizing with the Holy Spirit. What else? Evan? Nathaniel calls him the king of Israel. King of Israel. So that's Nathaniel. Yeah? Uh, Messiah. Okay. Uh, Andrew. So Andrew says we found the Messiah, right? What else? What else we got? Adam. Rabbi. Rabbi. Oops. Rabbi is A couple people said that, right? Nathaniel and Andrew, or? I don't know. Yeah, it was Andrew and. Philip says he fulfills the Okay, Elijah, last one. Um, he is the 
We did get Messiah, okay? All right, you guys did a great job. Um, see if there's anything on here that I have that aren't on there. Oh, the last one that I have is, he is the one who John is not worthy to untie his sandals. Right? He's the one that John says he's not worthy. Okay, so let's focus on these real quick, and then we'll come to the end, all right? We talked about how John's humble, right? Let's, want to know how humble John is? When, when a rabbi had people who followed him, they were asked to do everything for that rabbi except take off his shoes. That was reserved for slaves. So when John says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals... He's saying, I'm not even worthy to be this man's slave. That's how low John puts himself in comparison. And, and did you notice that when John bears witness about Jesus, behold the Lamb of God, two of John's disciples, which John had disciples, up and leave Jesus, leave and go to Jesus. He's so pointing the way to Jesus that even his own disciples are deserting him to go and follow Jesus, which is kind of the point. That's what he's trying to do. So I, I think it's just good to highlight just how humble John was, okay? Um, behold the Lamb of God. This is starting something that John wants us to start thinking about Jesus right from the beginning. Lambs are an important animal in the Old Testament, specifically around the time of Passover, because it was a lamb that you would kill and you would put the blood on the doorpost to remember when the angel of death passed over the houses that had blood. And so Jesus is called the Lamb of God right from the beginning. And John is going to walk us all the way to Passover, which is when Jesus dies. The Lamb of God is killed during Passover. So keep that in your mind. That's one of the important titles here. Most of these titles have something to do with being the Messiah. So the Messiah was expected to be the one who was going to come and save Israel. The King of Israel. That's a messianic title. Okay, The Son of God was actually a messianic title. So often in John, people are saying things that they may not even understand. So when they say, you are the son of God, well, kings were considered the sons of God. And they may not realize what they're saying, that he actually is the son of God. And John is taking, the John the author is taking what they're saying and applying it to Jesus, what they really did say, so that we can see how these are going to play out in actuality. And the last one is the son of man. The son of man is interesting. It's in Daniel. Daniel, it says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days. He came to God and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So when Jesus chooses to identify himself, he says, that's who I am. I am the son of man, okay? Well, let's conclude with this. That should typo there. The first steps to following Jesus and a true humility. I want to point out just two phrases right here in our last few minutes, okay? So Jesus comes on the scene. He's the, disciple. He, he, he's the savior of the world. He comes on the scene. The first things he say are really important. These two guys come to him from John the Baptist, and Jesus says, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? And I think when John puts this in here, Jesus has a double meaning. He, he's not simply saying, oh, hey guys, what are you looking for? 
he's asking them very intentionally as they come to him, what are you seeking? Why are you coming to me? What is it that you're actually looking for? And that is a really important question for disciples of Jesus. Because oftentimes when we come to church, or we come to our Bibles, or we come to pray, or you could even say when we don't come to church, or when we don't read our Bibles, or we don't pray, what are we seeking? Why are you here? Why are you here this morning? When you read your Bible, are you looking for something? Are you seeking after something? Or are you just doing it? Because you think it's going to check off some box on your list. Jesus wants the disciples to ask themselves as they come to him, what is it that you're actually looking for? Now notice that the Jews came down to Elijah seeking something. They wanted to know, or not Elijah, to John the Baptist. They came down to John the Baptist seeking something. They wanted to know, who are you? And did John the Baptist point them to Jesus? Well, if you read, he says, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet, I'm the one who is preparing the way for the Lord. And then the paragraph ends, and then it says, and the next day, he said, behold the Lamb of God. In other words, the idea is, they've gone home. Those who came seeking, but not really seeking, they weren't really seeking. They just wanted to ask him, who gave you the right to be down here doing this? They're not really looking for Jesus. They're not looking for answers. They're not looking for the Messiah. They're looking for who's challenging their authority, and they go home with no answers. And then to his disciples, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Who are you seeking? But then, when they say that they want to go with him, he says, Come and you will see. And that's the invitation he offers. And that's the first invitation that's offered to every single person who seeks Jesus appropriately to be his disciple. Jesus simply says, come and you will see. And you'll notice that Andrew takes that invitation, come and you will see. And when Andrew goes to Nathaniel and says, we found the Messiah, or no, it's Philip. When Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, we found the Messiah, and Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He says, come and see. You just got to meet this guy. Come and see. And that's the invitation that's offered to each one of us. Come and see. Come and see who this Jesus is. Now, to respond to that question, who are you seeking, and to respond to come and see, takes humility. Because you have to be looking for someone other than yourself. You have to think that the answer is out there and not simply in here. And we see that Nathaniel, he's kind of got this proud response. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? And what does Jesus do? Within this first conversation, Jesus takes Nathaniel and turns him so that his life now points to Jesus. With, with a simple phrase, I saw you sitting under the fig tree, Nathaniel's life now says, you are the king of Israel. You are the son of God. And if you come to Jesus, if you come and see who he is, he can take the pride in our hearts and he can turn us towards himself so that our life actually points to him and not to ourselves. So let's pray that he would do that in our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word, and, and we do ask that. We ask that you would do that work that you did immediately in Nathaniel upon meeting you, from a critical heart being turned into a heart of adoration and worship, that you are the King of Israel, you are the Son of God. May we have that same transformation happen in our lives. 
And I pray that we'd be honest with ourselves as we consider who our lives point to and that we would seek to make much of you so that our lives point to you and point others to you so that they too might figure out who they're seeking after and come and see just who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.